Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is mentoring. I wrote a little book called Table Mentoring, A Simple Guide for Coming Alongside. But do you need a table to table mentor? Well, of course not. I've done it at tables and I've done it in coffee shops and on porches and in backyards and on walks. Walks are a good place to mentor because you're getting two things done at once. Meeting with a friend, pouring into their life and getting exercise. I like to call it table mentoring, however, because a table imbues intimacy an elbow-touching, grab-a-hand-in-prayer type of closeness. Maybe not at the first meetup, unless you're meeting Katie Tatlinger for the first time and she will greet you with her arms open wide and envelop you in a great big hug. And she says, I'm a hugger. And you feel really comforted and loved right from the start. I hope to get her on this podcast soon. She has definitely mentored me through the years. A table, a bench, back steps, a dorm hallway, coffee shop. Choose whichever promotes the progress of a hearty sharing. That's what counts. A place where you're both comfortable. The place or the porch does not matter. Taking the time to listen does. Tell a story. Gently nudge. Cry some if necessary. Laugh a lot. That is necessary. And give everything over to the mighty counselor before and after and maybe in the middle. You might need to stop and say, you know what? Let's just give these things to Jesus. Coming together until the misery is out of the commiserate as you both sit at Jesus' feet. We influence and mentor by how we live. And people may pick up on it whether or not we advertise, hey, I'm mentoring you. For parents and grandparents, lifestyle mentoring is by far the most effective. So in a sense, to be a parent and a grandparent is to be a mentor. But that doesn't mean we don't mentor other people as well. And it it is the most significant kind of mentorship because we have the opportunity to change the world through the next generation by how we live the truths of God around those closest to us. But to mentor a family member can also be the most challenging kind of mentoring because of the family ties that bind. They bind us close, but they can also, you know, drive us crazy. The best times of mentoring I've had with my adult children has, have been when they have asked me, uh, Mom, what do you think I should do? Note that I said, ask me. Uh, what Bible verses should I read? That was a beautiful text to get from a child. Uh, how can I get through this situation, they might ask. These times are precious, and they're gifts from God and I have to tell you, they're not all that often. That's why I pray for others to come into their lives, to come alongside. It's a gift. It's a gift that I want God to give my children, that someone would see uh, the value of coming alongside of them and teaching them more about their relationship with God. I love to describe mentoring as to come alongside another, which is found in the message version of 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. I'll read it for you. God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times. He doesn't say they're the same kind of hard times. 
so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. If you haven't read that before, let me repeat uh, the reference. And you can look it up in your favorite version, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Two things to consider. Two types of relationships, God and me and me and others. We mentor another from our own experience of being mentored by God. God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. As we experience God's alongsidedness in our ups and downs and our joys and sorrows, it's not just the hard times we want God to be alongside of us, we can more naturally share his overflow with someone who is where we have been. I guess the key is, are we? do we have intimate times with God? Uh, do you have to harken back maybe 10 years uh, with the last time you felt God's presence or when he spoke to you in some personal way or where you felt comforted by the Holy Spirit? Hopefully not. Hopefully it's within the last week or the last day. And then the second part is we mentor another by getting close enough to that person so that mutual vulnerability is natural and trusted. I walked with a former college student, adoptee. We adopt college students at Grace Church. And now she's older and married, but we walked last Sunday afternoon and it was so much fun. There was a, a mutual authenticity a mutual sharing. Authenticity is the vanguard of artless discipleship. We share an authentic community. The verse goes, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there. That's authentic community. So we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. You don't need a table to be a table mentor. You do need an ongoing relationship with the ultimate mentor and a bold desire to get close to someone who needs to hear what you've learned. We heard a speaker at our church last uh, quarter, Philip Pattison. He spoke on foster care. He heads up an organization called fostertheBay.org. I love that. It's like, let's just open our arms for the whole bay. He meant uh, probably San Francisco Bay, San Jose, that whole area. He has a heart for fostering children to make them great. I just love that. That's such a vision. You know, when you think of just rescuing a child out of a hard situation and giving them an opportunity to be in a a loving and healthy home, the way he looks at it is that you're giving them an opportunity to make them great. They now have that possibility and they didn't even have that possibility before because of where they were raised. I loved his passion and his heart for children. And you know, his heart mirrors Paul's passion and love for the children of God. That's us. Here are some samples of Paul's heart for believers, his mentees, which really show more about Paul, the mentor, than it does about the mentees. Colossians 2.1, Paul wrote, I have agonized over you and the church. That sounds like a mother to me. It sounds like me, actually. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, we treated you as a father treats his own children. Philippians 1.8, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. These are beautiful words of love and commitment. Words and connection that we might hesitate to say and commit to unless it would be to a blood relative. Think about it. Paul wasn't related to these people who read these words except through the cross of Jesus Christ. He fostered the faith of those around him, and we are to do the same. 
As Patterson said, we are called to foster or at least wrap our arms around those who do. I looked up the meaning of foster, and it means in its larger sense to nurture, to nourish, to encourage, to impart strength, and of course to make greater. To mentor has the same meaning. Mentoring is to foster another's faith with love and with vision. When we mentor, we foster someone's faith. We help make it greater. We encourage someone. We provide strength with words or practical help, like maybe making a casserole for someone who's having a hard week, so that their souls are nourished and nurtured greatly in the ways of God. Here's another lovely statement by Paul, Philippians 1.3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God whenever I pray. I make my requests with all joy. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work in you, and will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. He's certain of God. <clears throat> we foster another's faith with the love of God and with the vision of God. The God who began a good work and will continue his work until it's finally finished. I remember when we were first married and I was struggling with, well, with everything. And our older friend, Anna Dell White, would say with such certainty, which I just realized that that's what Paul said in that verse, I am certain that God. She would speak with such certainty. If you know Anna Dell, and I hope to get her on this podcast, she speaks with lots of certainty. She's 93 now. But she used to say to me, you and Mark are going to have the best marriage. I can't wait to see what God is going to do with your marriage. Well, I wasn't so sure at the time. I may have rolled my eyes. But what an encouragement to have an older godly woman speak that vision into my life when I was feeling depleted and, and a little sorry for myself. Praise God for Anna Dale. Perhaps our greatest role as a mentor is to call out the promised purpose in another. God will continue his work in you. You don't need to fret. He is working where you don't see. He is completing what you feel like you can't finish. This is a high calling, to love another with the vision God has for them. You will never be bored. You will never regret pouring into another what God has poured into you. God says that we're supposed to teach and train the younger. It's not a suggestion. He wrote that. Paul wrote that in Titus 2. The first answer to our question, why man mentor, is because God tells us to. It's a matter of obedience. Older women teach the younger. I know you don't feel old. You may be insulted to be called old. But the truth is, everyone is older than someone else, no matter what. You may be younger than I am. In fact, you probably are. But there is someone you know that is younger than you are. Besides, we're all going to be older, say, you know, by lunch. So let's get over the barrier of who you think you are forever young. One night, oh, about 8.30, I was supposed to meet a friend for dessert and she hadn't come yet. So I ran over to, across the parking lot, to the store we used to have here called Forever 21. And I walked up to the counter. I don't think there were any customers in that whole gigantic store. But there were lots of young kids working behind the counter. And I walked up to the counter and I said, you know, I'm thinking of opening a store and it's going to be called Forever 61. 
it was almost my birthday. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Well, they were very excited. They wanted to know where it was going to be. And then they were a little disappointed and deflated when I said, oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, they were a little startled, but also excited for me. I was too. It wasn't going to be the size of a small farm like that one was. The music was going to be much softer so I could hear myself think. Do I sound like an old lady? I am. And all the clothes would fit starting at size 12, which meant small. Ladies, aren't you glad we are not forever young nor forever 21? If you see yourself on the younger woman's spectrum, move over. We all do. But no matter how young you are, there is always someone younger. And no matter how old you are, there is always someone older than you are. That truth is both a comfort and a challenge. As a committed follower of Christ, you have something to teach and share with a younger woman. And no matter what age, you have something to learn from an older woman. We never need worry about living a life that counts for eternity when we spend time coming alongside another and pouring in what God has poured into us. Do you have questions on being in a mentoring relationship? Feel free to share in comments. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.